back to the past. This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brian and Paul. Hey, guys. This is episode eight. I can't wait. That's right. We've been at this eight times now. If you missed last week's show, I suggest you go check it out. We talked all about the roller coaster capital of the world, Cedar Point, MTV's legendary Total Request Live, and the silliest of Willy Wonka candies, Laffy Taffy. You so promised you wouldn't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so basically the way this podcast works is we randomly select three topics from the 80s, 90s, or early 2000s, and then we talk about them. We covered the topics ranging from classic action movies to rainy day board games. We love chatting about these topics our listeners want to hear as well. So if you have a nostalgic topic that you think we'd do a great job or let's be honest, at least an adequate job of covering. We don't hold the bar su- too high. <laughs> <laughs> we try to keep it low so that people are pleasantly surprised. <laughs> so if you have a topic that you'd like us to talk about, you can submit those to our website at www.datingourselvespodcast.com or by email at datingourselvespodcast at aol.com. We've got mail. <laughs> Speaking of which, two of our three episodes this week are fan submissions. Yeah, we've really outdone ourselves this time, eh, fellas? Well, I mean, to be fair, the listeners are the ones who suggested them. But we are thrilled with the topics that we received. Yeah, we'll still take credit for them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> So another development this week's episode, most of our topics can be divided up between different categories like video games, movies, even junk food. We thought it might be fun to discuss topics that clearly don't cleanly fit into a particular category, but something likely everyone experienced growing up this time. Mm -hmm. So it's something we're going to call a shared life experience. So air quotes. So this week, Brian is covering Allowance, and I don't mean the song, I Need More Allowance by the Beats from Doug. (laughs) I will discuss Disney's animated TV series Tailspin, and Adam will speak about the classic comic strip of Garfield. You know, the story of Garfield is actually a tale of romance about an unbreakable bond between a cat and his lasagna. I'm not so sure that's how the lasagna sees it, but uh, we can ask Adam and see what he thinks. Adam? Oh my! <laughs> it's about to get real romantic up in here. I guess so. <laughs> so, like Brian mentioned, my topic for today is Garfield, specifically the comic strip. So we won't be talking about Garfield and Friends or the amazing Garfield movies. What that about uh, were such box office smash hits? But what about the Garfield that hangs in like the back window of your station wagon? Yes, we will definitely be talking yes. about that. Okay. <laughs> so, Garfield. Everyone knows Garfield. It's one of the most popular syndicated cartoons in the country. It was originally created by a guy named Jim Davis, who published the first Garfield comic in 1978. Hmm. And like I mentioned, it's extremely popular to the point where by 2013, it was syndicated in 2,580 newspapers and or journals across the globe. And as of 2017, I'm sure that's down to like 10 because let's be honest, who reads newspapers or journals anymore? <laughs> What's a newspaper? I was trying to, as soon as you said Globe, it made sense, but I was like, how are there that many newspapers? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you got to count the local ones too. <laughs> Even so, do you really think there's 2,000 newspapers in the United States? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, Possible. I don't know. I don't know, but uh, yeah, worldwide. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Worldwide, it's syndicated, uh, but in 2,580, and it actually has the Guinness World Record for the most widely syndicated comic strip in history. Wow. wow. So we we beat out the Romans. <laughs> I would have thought it would have been Peanuts. I, you would have thought so. Um, apparently not, though. They, they do have the Guinness Book of World Records record for this. That's amazing. Right? So Garfield, as everyone knows, follows... The orange, lovable cat Garfield, who hates Mondays and basically everything. Uh, His owner, John Arbuckle, and John's other pet, 
his little beagle Odie. I love Odie. And then, he's the best. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. He's my spirit animal. Odie's a beagle. <laughs> yeah, he was a. Uh, yeah, he was a beagle. Huh. Hmm. Yep. I never I, put two I, and two together. I found that out in my research. I wouldn't have known that before, but that—that's what it said online. I figured he would have been a, a yellow lab. <laughs> <laughs> It would have made sense. Um, so on top of Garfield, John, and Odie, it also follows characters like Nermal, Arlene, Pookie, Liz, and a whole bunch of other characters that make their occasional appearances in it. And something that I wasn't aware of, apparently this is not a very widely known fact, but it was something that was uh, made canon in one of the books that was published about Garfield. It's actually set in Muncie, Indiana, which is Jim Davis's hometown. I had no and idea. And also oh, so it's I, a real place. It is. Wow. It is. And Muncie, Indiana also happens to be the uh favorite vacation spot of Terry, Larry, Gary, Jerry Gurgich <laughs> from Parks and Rec, if you guys are fans of that show. That's where his uh vacation home is in Muncie, Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> Has anything else notable come from Indiana? I assume it's a small list. Uh, well, there's there's uh, Larry Bird came from Indiana. Uh, Michael Jackson is from Gary, Indiana. Really? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure I there's other way things. Too far. I apologize. Well, the, I'm sure the, there's other things. The Indy 500 came from Indiana. What? That's crazy. Believe it or not, it does not stand for indie music. It actually stands for <laughs> Indianapolis. I, I thought it was named after Indiana Jones. Ooh. Yeah, but didn't it initiate somewhere else and they're like, crap, it's too hot here in August, so let's move it? <laughs> and that could be true. That could be true. It could be. I don't know. I don't really know all that much about racing. <laughs> I apologize for all the angry fan letters I am going to generate. <laughs> okay, so uh, with... Garfield, of course, there was kind of a bunch of reoccurring themes that came through it. So, most notably, his hatred of Mondays, which, let's be honest, he should be just about everyone's spirit animal then, because who loves Mondays? They are the worst. Uh, He also dislikes physical exercise, diets, anything like that. He likes to be lazy. Things he enjoys are eating. Lasagna, of course. Uh, He likes messing with Odie. He also, yeah, that was something I wanted uh, to uh, to bring up is uh, okay. one of the reoccurring things that always seems to happen is that he always pushes Odie off the table. And I <laughs> yep. I don't know. I mean, cats get up on the table all the time, but it's just so strange that Odie is also <laughs> always on the on table. The <laughs> and he falls for it every single time, too. Every single time. It's like Charlie Brown going to kick the football. Every time he, goes, he just falls for it. <laughs> yeah, so he either gets pushed off or uh, sometimes Garfield will actually like convince him to fall off on his own through various shenanigans. Yep, yep. Uh, the other one that was always kind of funny was he um, oftentimes would mail Nermal, who was a uh, tabby cat that would show up occasionally uh, and like to hang out with Garfield. Did you just say Garfield liked to nail Nermal? <laughs> Male. <laughs> Male, M A I L. Yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. I was like, I think I'm reading a completely different comic strip. <laughs> Apparently, geez. Adam got the late night uh, Garfield, Garfield after midnight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Garfield would, after dark. <laughs> yes. So he would mail Nermal to Abu Dhabi. Why Abu Dhabi? I don't know, but that was always where he would mail her, uh, or him. I'm sorry, Nermal was a him. Or he would throw Nermal through the front door. That was kind of always the two exits that Nermal would make in the in the comics. I Nermal was a I always thought Nermal was a girl. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Nermal was a guy. I okay, couldn't... is Odie a boy? Odie. Uh, Odie is a boy. Yes. Are we sure? Because you've seriously blown my mind on what okay. I thought I knew about I was, Garfield. I, I'm looking online. I am on the Garfield wiki. And it says Nermal is a character in the Garfield franchise. He first appeared in the comic strip on September 3rd, 1979. Hmm. Yes. So it is a guy. So anyway, uh, that's kind of... And then uh, on top of that, there's always, of course... I can't get over that. I'm sorry. (laughs) I need a moment. I'm struggling. (laughs) (laughs) 
So on top of uh, the things that he enjoys and stuff like that, one of the other kind of reoccurring things is John's dating life, which is usually a pretty big train wreck. Yeah. Um, usually ends up with terrible things happening to him, like him getting tased, having his car stolen or something like that while he's out on a date. I remember then, there was uh, one really funny episode episode comic strip where uh, <laughs> there was one really funny comic strip where uh he his suit was at the cleaners or something so he couldn't wear a suit on his date so he made a suit out of newspaper and was waiting to meet <laughs> his date in the park and then it rained <laughs> and it just completely ruined everything that sounds about right yep that that seems to be the crux of his dating life yes the the, the arbuckle's then, curse yeah, no kidding. And then, of course, uh, later on in the series, he kind of abandons dating after he uh, stays with his longtime girlfriend, Dr. Liz. And so then uh, they kind of shift away from his dating life a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so that's kind of the main things about the Garfield comics. Um, are there any particular, like I know Brian mentioned one already, but are there any particular ones that you guys remember or particularly enjoyed as a kid comic strip not one necessarily comes to mind some notable moments from the tv show but i have to go with there's always that calendar poster that comes up every year on monday that has garfield sitting in his litter box or it's his bed actually but it looks like a litter box uh-huh. with the covers pulled over and you know the i hate mondays yep. when i think of garfield that's usually the thing that comes to mind behind the weird looking ones that stare back at you from the back of the uh, station wagon window <laughs> yeah no kidding you know, the um, things that have been replaced by stick figure families now. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, what about you, Brian? Any other ones that you particularly um, remember? Well, first, Garfield and spiders. Um, he always had this oh, uh, yes. issue with spiders. He was very scared of them. And I remember there was some where he would freak out and go talk to John. Like, oh my God, there's this, this spider and uh, he'd go, and it's like this little baby spider, and then he'd go back and watch TV, and Garfield would look at the spider, and he'd be like, <laughs> the size of the refrigerator. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of funny, because uh, like for being a cat, he was actually friendly to a lot of the mice and like other animals that would come through, but for whatever reason, spiders were his Achilles heel. He did not like spiders. Right. Well, mice chasing mice and birds requires effort. Yeah, that's actually a fair point. That's, that's a pretty good point. <laughs> One of the things that he did not like, that would be in his dating profile, hates physical exertion. Right, right. Um, <laughs> now, something that's going to, once again, tie back to the name of our show of dating ourselves, but I remember back in elementary school, there used to be the Scholastic Book Fair, and that would happen maybe once or twice a year. And you'd mm-hmm. get the flyer like a week or two ahead of time and you'd circle all the books you want and your mom would send you to school with a little bit of money so you could get those books. That's actually how I first got into Garfield was that they used to sell volumes um, yeah. of like, you know, 200 comic strips at a time and you could just grab the whole volume, you know, and I think they sold them for the at the Scholastic Book Fair or whatever for like 10 bucks or something like that mm-hmm. and you could take them home you'd and go move. down to the library and all the books would be out on their little displays and stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yep yep so that was a and it still runs that way really yep nice. at least at our kids school that's awesome Very nice the books are a crap ton more expensive now from what i remember <laughs> i'm sure i believe that um <laughs> the one other thing i wanted to bring up too is in modern day there is you know there's a whole lot of different things that people do with photoshop and things like that um, including this show but one of the most entertaining things other than you know removing people's eyes and replacing them with steve buscemi's eyes is <laughs> is buscemi eyes. is is garfield without garfield have you guys seen that no no so it's literally strips with garfield and john but they remove Garfield. So John is talking about how bad his day was at work or how bad this date was or, you know, whatever. And he's not talking to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just pulled one up. These are fantastic. The, 
this one, uh, he's got like a bunch of food items in his hands. And he goes, I'm going to spend the evening trying out different kinds of shampoo. <laughs> to, like nobody's there. And then he just walks away uh, from there. And then uh, the next one, he has his little chef's hat on. And he goes, check it out. New oven mitts. And they got flowers <laughs> on them. And then there's no one there. <laughs> there's one that I always found really funny where he's like sleeping in bed. And then he gets up, screams down at his feet. He says, all right, all right. And then he throws the covers back over his head and is sobbing. And there's no explanation as to why any of this is occurring. Oh, man, I might be surfing that later tonight. That oh. looks like it might be entertaining. And there, there's other like, good ones, too, life. where he just says something like, good morning with a cup of coffee. And then the next two things are just him with his head on the countertop holding his cup of coffee. And, and there's no one in the other two boxes. So it's it's pretty entertaining. Oh, that's fantastic. So um, one of the things I was going to mention, obviously Garfield was always kind of a lighthearted, uh, humorous comic strip. Uh, but it, actually, uh, in Halloween of 1989, Jim Davis went a little existential and uh, decided to make a, for, for one week, I think it was, or maybe a month during ha- the Halloween of 1989 time period, he ran a series of Garfield comics in which Garfield was in a future where the house was abandoned and he didn't exist. And it was basically about people's fears of being alone, like super nihilist all of a sudden. It was really creepy. I was looking at some of them uh, when I was researching this and it was really messed up. That almost sounds like, uh, I think it's Next to Normal is the name of the play. That's kind of, yeah, kind of a similar yep. kind of thing where where you uh, are experiencing somebody who is not even there and has has since died. It's uh, crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah, that would be yeah. really so interesting to was, check out. Yeah, I mean, really interesting because it's normally such a fun and lighthearted comic series, and then all of a sudden you get in this one week in 1989 where it's like everything sucks and you're gonna die. It's like <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Oh, Apocalypse well, meow. <laughs> well, that's all I have for Garfield, unless you guys have anything to add. There's really not a whole lot to go into unless we wanted to like go into individual cartoon slides for it or whatever, but I don't think we want to do that just for the sake of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think ultimately it was something that we all read a lot as a kid. Or as kids, mm-hmm. I should say, we weren't one collective kid. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it was something that like I always really enjoyed. It's amazing that it's still as huge and as popular as it's been since you know the the eighties. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's still just as popular today. In fact, the two movies came out more recently to now than they did to the original publication of the comic strip. So yeah, it's but we still don't talk about those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we don't mention those uh, as well as uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, or we, we uh, or Metallica Saint Anger. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Th- those are all non-talk. We're we're not allowed to talk about any of those. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's all we have for Garfield. Then uh, in a second, I'm going to throw it over to Brian. But first of all, we would like to thank Martha F from Baltimore, Maryland, for submitting. The topic Garfield. I hope we did it justice for you. If not, we can always revisit it in the future. I'm sure. As I'm sure the uh, the window sticker Garfield will come up at some point, as well as the Garfield and Friends Garfield TV show. Garfield and Friends. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, let's go ahead and throw it over then to Brian, who's going to talk to us about that everyday favorite from your kid, the shared life experience of allowance. I need more allowance. <laughs> yeah, so uh, allowance, it's something that is very interesting. It's something that uh, wraps the minds of many kids around the world, or at least around the United States. Um, I'm sure other kids experience it too. Before we get into that, though, I had a quick story from today, and it kind of tangentially ties into this. But I was almost late to work today. 
Um, I, I stopped at McDonald's, which is like maybe a mile from my office. I was in the drive-thru and I was going to get some breakfast. And there was this huge holdup in the drive-thru. And I'm sticking my head out the window wondering, what the hell is going on? Well, there was a guy that was applying for a job through the drive-thru window. <laughs> I've, I've never seen that before in my entire life. Um, but that's fantastic. But it kind of ties back to people got to work. Um, people want things. Things cost money. You got to get that money, so you got to go to work. Um, when you said hold up, I was going to ask, like, ski mask hold up? <laughs> yeah. Or, like, <laughs> I need my damn coffee now hold up. <laughs> uh, just, just a delay in line. <laughs> there, there was a, it, yeah, it wasn't a stick up. It was, well, I guess a hold up is, <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> um, I'm, I, I try to do some research on this topic in terms of the historical relevance and introduction to allowance, and I'm not really able to find much about it. My best guess is that allowance was not always a thing. I'm assuming that hunters and gatherers just did their own thing, <laughs> and uh, they found the berries, and they killed the deer, and they... Gerp Gerp gets uh, two berries today <laughs> since he went and killed that deer for the family. It's Gerp Gerp Jr., okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Gerp Gerp Jr., if you're listening. You know, and then, at, you know, you fast forward a little bit, I'm sure that the nobles and royalty of, you know, different kingdoms and, you know, municipalities and things like that probably didn't have much of a use for it because, you know, they had their own horses and servants and all of that stuff. And then the serfs probably just didn't have it, period. Um, um, Your allowance this week is you get to live. Yeah. You're not going to die of the Black Plague today, Johnny. Congratulations. Right, right. So you had the the aristocracy and then you had, you know, everybody else. I, I would imagine that allowance probably must have started sometime in the late industrial revolution into the early 1950s would be my best guess yeah the uh, 1950s is kind of when i was thinking yeah yeah post child labor laws you know when we weren't uh-huh. using them in factories anymore as chimney sweeps and yeah yeah <laughs> machinists that could fit between the gears um Exactly. Yeah. And have their hand ripped off by the exposed gears. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't need that hand anyway. <laughs> um, so. What doesn't kill you. So that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that's kind of my thought on allowance is that it must have been something that was created about where the dawn of the middle class started. And mm-hmm. basically, the whole idea behind allowance one is to get your kids to learn the value of money and learn how to save for things and i guess if anyone that's listening to the show isn't familiar with allowance it's basically you would receive some type of weekly or monthly payment from your parents for you know meeting a particular set of standards and we can kind of talk about what our individual ones were growing up and some other ones that we've heard of other people having and things like that and so I would imagine that sometime in the, you know, like I said, the early 1900s till about the 1950s, that's when people started having that expendable income and they weren't expecting their children to also be part of the, the bread earners. So mm-hmm. they probably were able to like, you know, oh, you mowed the lawn, Junior, Here, here's 50 cents, you know, go get yourself a go get yourself a snack with your friends or something like that. Now, you guys, did you guys have allowance growing up? I did. Now, uh, how much was your allowance, Adam? Oh gosh, I don't. When remember. you were little, like when, a... like when you first got allowance, when you were first on the payroll. Oh, um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't really remember off the top of my head. I'm sure it was a couple bucks at the most. Uh, I'm sure the most it ever got was maybe like ten bucks or something like that. Um, not, you know, not a ton, but enough that you could one entice me to do work, and two that I could save up to get something if I wanted to buy something. And when did your like allowance start, like? Do you have a like an estimate? Um, probably I would say maybe when I was five or six, I would imagine. Okay, and then how long? Maybe a little younger. And then how long did you continue to earn allowance? Oh gosh, um, I mean, really, I guess I continued to earn allowance even through like high school and maybe even a little bit into college. But really, by that point, but but 
by that point, it changed. Instead of uh, doing, like, you know, chores around the house or whatever it was when I was younger, uh, my, like, quote-unquote allowance from my parents was taking the cans back. Like, because uh, uh, if you're not from Michigan, <laughs> oh, yes. this, this is, is a important. very foreign this is concept. This very important. Uh, yes. Uh, in Michigan and, like, two or three other states, uh, you can turn in your aluminum cans, like your soda cans, beer cans, whatever. You can turn those in. You, you bring them to, like, the grocery store, and they have these machines, and you scan them through, and you get 10 cents for every can. And so uh, my parents and I would, you know, have our sodas or whatever that we were drinking. And after like a month or so, we would have enough that like a garbage bag filled with over something. And that was kind of my allowance for then was I would bring those back and uh, turn those in and I would get to keep whatever money ah, uh, yeah. I, I got from that. Yeah. That's a, that's a Dr. Dr. Pepper fund. I like that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. D- the, the Dr. Pepper uh, food during college fund. Gotcha. That was a great fund for me. Gotcha. If we're going to count returning relatives cans as allowance, <laughs> then I would say it started when I was 13 and went through, I think that's how I paid for my first semester of community college. Nice. Wow. That's impressive. That is impressive. Um, a quick little uh, tangent about bottle returns. The very first time my dad and stepmom came out to visit me in the DC area, they, they flew out from Michigan to one of the local airports. And my dad always drinks those monster energy drinks. And so we had an empty can. And he goes to the lady at like the Hudson News stand in the airport. He's like, hey, I have this empty can. Do you want it? And, you know, in Michigan, he's used to getting like, you know, you either get 10 cents or you give it to the person at the cash register and then they keep it so their store gets 10 cents. And so he's like, hey, I got this empty can. Do you want it? And she's like, why would I want your empty can? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, well, well, well. In Michigan, you get a dime for this. And she's like, well, I'm not giving you a dime, mister. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Obviously, something was lost in translation between the two. Yeah, my dad's like, well, I don't need the dime. It was more for your newsstand. You know what? Just just forget it. Just forget it. (laughs) I'll I'll go throw it away now. Yeah, yeah. So, Paul, in terms of allowance, did you have an allowance growing up? Um, no, my parents were more, uh, they would come up with an item or an activity and then I worked toward earning that. Um, pretty much as soon as I could push a lawnmower, I was kind of doing my own thing, trying to earn money other ways. Mm -hmm. Um, now I will, I wouldn't say that I've never had an allowance because I started receiving an allowance around June of 2010 when I got married (laughs) because someone's got to balance that uh, budget. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, my frivolous spending was put to an end and I was, uh, given a, what we'll refer to as the hookers and blow budget, Oh my goodness! (laughs) which seems to dwindle each and every year. (laughs) I went from, you know, buying Xbox is on a whim to going man i really hope i can get a soda at lunch without her noticing (laughs) (laughs) that pocketbook's gotten a little tighter huh now see when i was a kid like real young like adam was talking about like six seven years old um my brother and i both got allowance and it was two dollars a week um which i mean you know it was like 1990 1993 something like that so i mean that was pretty good money man you know we were we were were pretty happy about it in hindsight looking back that's like two dollars a week are you (laughs) (laughs) that's some uh pre-industrialization uh wages right there yeah i worked in the factory for 16 hours six days a week and all i got was two bucks (laughs) yeah so we used to get two dollars um per week um, and then when I hit about middle school, it bumped up to $20. Like, it was a super big spike. Like, I'm surprised the bottom nice. of the market didn't fall out. Um, <laughs> but the big reason for that was that I, that's when I learned how to operate the snowblower and the riding lawnmower. Oh, nice. So, uh, I wish it was a riding snowblower, though, because I would much rather be outside pushing a lawnmower than be outside <laughs> pushing a snowblower. Um, <laughs> even though... That it actually t- sounds like... We need to patent that idea right now. 
That's called a quad with a plow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, or uh, or a quad with a leaf blower attached to it. <laughs> yeah. So once I started getting, you know, the uh, the endorsements for the heavy machinery, that's when the uh, compensation started kicking in, um, and then that pretty much ended about the time I was like 15 or 16 because that's when I started working. So, um, mm-hmm. but my dad still tied money to report cards. So like if you got a really good report mm-hmm. card, like all A's and B's or whatever, you'd get 50 bucks for that quarter or that semester or whatever nice. it was. Yeah. So it was, that was a really, really nice thing. And you know, back then all I was spending money on, you know, I mean, you had no rent cause you lived at home. You didn't pay for the utilities or anything like that. So I mean, Fifty bucks was like, man, we are going out tonight. We are going to go see the the, the newest uh, Fast and the Furious movie. We are like, we're we're going out. We're having a good time, you know. So like, yeah, go to and in uh, the morning. Here, I'm making th- that's right. <laughs> Here, here's another uh, throwback for the uh, people of our area. Go blow a bunch of money at uh, Kahunaville. Oh man, that's that's definitely going local. Yeah, Kah- Kahunaville. Yeah. It was like a mix between like. Rainforest Cafe and Dave and Buster's is the best way I can describe it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that it actually, it was split up in two. So the restaurant side was on one side and then there was a gigantic arcade on the other side that had like every game imaginable. I don't think I've ever actually found an arcade that ever lived up to how good the arcade was there. Yeah. Vegas. You there, you go, go Vegas. there you go. Well, <laughs> Yeah. Dating ourselves road trip. We're going to Sega GameWorks, Woo! people. There, there we go. We'll do. We'll do a live, uh, live broadcast from Vegas. That should really open no, some no, no, eyes. No. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, <laughs> unless it gets uploaded to the internet. <laughs> then what happens in Vegas stays on the internet forever, no matter how many times you try to delete it. Um, exactly. That's probably a more updated catchphrase. <laughs> um, so I kind of mentioned, like I said, that um, a lot of my chores were based on doing stuff around the, the lawn. Um, there was some laundry requirements. There was making your bed. Mm-hmm. And then and then there was the big quarterly bonus if you got good grades in school. <laughs> um, what did you guys, what was kind of your, what criteria did you have to meet in order to be worthy of your allowance? Mine was pretty similar to yours. Um like when I was younger, it was like cleaning up my room mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. things of that nature. And then once I was old enough to, you know, mow the lawn and do stuff like that, that was kind of the big thing was, you know, going out and mowing the lawn or in the fall, it was raking the leaves. Oh, sure. With, sure. Oh, gosh. You guys which, have a bunch of like, big trees at your parents' house. Yeah, we do. Um, our My, my parents' backyard used to actually be about of a a quarter of a mile of woods but since then there's been a bunch of construction through there so it's mostly neighborhoods now but we still have quite a few trees in our backyard you know we're talking like probably 50 60 trees in the backyard still and uh they cause a lot of leaves to fall during the (laughs) during the uh autumn and so generally we'd have about 60 leaf bags full of leaves every year and if you're from somewhere where you've never had to rake leaves before like the south or anything like that where they don't have uh that yes because there's no trees in the south well there's no it's not that there's no trees in the south but they don't have the the same extent of leaves falling off the trees as we do there's no seasons with air quotes (laughs) <laughs> yes exactly there's definitely so, pollen um, season for sure though <laughs> oh gosh yes Where your allergies yes. go and like beat the uh, that, inside of your that skull that story will probably yeah that story will probably come up at some point my my allergies during my first year down here in texas um that that's quite the story but um for those of you who have never had to rake leaves before basically these bags uh when they're fully open they're they're kind of like paper bags like double walled paper bags like you'd get at the grocery store except they're probably about 4 feet tall 3 or 4 feet tall when they're completely opened up and we would fill 60 of those every year with leaves that was like a month-long task of every week we'd go out there and we'd have to rake leaves and bag them and bring them to the dump and all that 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 i still have nightmares about that oil and mash them stick so were you uh 
Yeah. <laughs> What's up, Paul? So, Adam, uh, we're. Uh, I was going to use the phrase Dutch, <laughs> but I was going to. Uh, I'm trying to come up with a way to word it, but I can't. I'm just going to say, was your family Dutch enough that you had to reuse the paper bags? Like, did you just take them to the dump and leave them there, or did you dump them out and then bring the paper bags home and reuse them? No, we we definitely left them at the dump. We did not reuse them. <laughs> Because if you've if you've never had the joy of picking up leaves in the middle of the fall, there's one guarantee with that, and that is you will have so much rain and water on those leaves that they would basically be rendered useless after one time <laughs> uh, because they would just get soaking wet. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So how about you, Paul? What, uh, what kind of things were tied to, uh, to your allowance? uh vacuuming oh that's a good one um uh that was that was one uh cleaning the pool is the one that comes to mind oh, because we, i hated we it. did not I have sworn... a pool that that must have been a pain <laughs> yeah they had a they had a pretty substantial pool at your house like and, it was uh, pretty big we we had no trees, but all the neighbors surrounding us had trees and they would <laughs> dump into the pool oh my God, so i I have said I will never, ever have a pool again as long as I live. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Spe- speaking of that, though, Paul, that that's actually uh, something that's kind of a common joke with our, uh, me and my parents because uh, we live on the end of a cul-de-sac, and we live apparently downwind from every one of our neighbors because every other neighbors will be mostly spotless, and then every leaf in the entire neighborhood will be in our lawn. Blowing up against the garage door. <laughs> Either that or the fence uh, on our, uh, if you're facing our house, it'd be the left side. They're all along that fence. See, I'm wondering if in the middle of the night, like two in the morning, they just go out there and they rake their leaves then. And, and you just don't know about it. <laughs> There's like a secret society you know, of like dusk breakers or something (laughs) some of my neighbors that actually would not surprise me i have raked leaves in the dark and the snow because leaf dumps because because we live in a we live in a place where you know it starts snowing in november december leaf dumps tend to close early in december Uh and so not all the trees will drop most of their leaves by the time it starts snowing so i have cut it to the wire at my current residence where i have six oak trees where i am loading the trailer at 11 o'clock at night because it's gonna <laughs> snow tomorrow and they won't let me take them anywhere if it snows wow that's crazy oh gosh well oh, that's um awful what was uh something paul that you like the the first thing you remember buying with your own money like the very first thing. weird al bad hair day love that march 11th 96 whoa do you have the receipt wow. on your desk or something that's amazing how do you remember that the receipt is still in the ah. album which is yes on my desk that's oh nice that's amazing wow that's so cool you should have said you just remembered the date that would have been really impressive <laughs> <laughs> Well, when you mentioned lasagna, and then we had uh, talked about the brief Weird Al interlude, <laughs> I looked over because all of my Weird Al CDs are in a... There used to be this phenomenon, kids, called CD holders, because you had so many of them, you had a tower to insert the discs into. Oh, yeah. And I still have one next to my desk containing most of the albums that I still own, <laughs> and I have a very large Weird Al section. That's pretty amazing that doesn't surprise me either because paul's the one that introduced me to weird al i think brian and paul were actually the ones that introduced me to weird Al. that could be that that definitely could be i know i have a lot of his music so do you think kids in the future will have allowance like right now do you think kids of age have allowance or do you think their parents pay them in bitcoin or uh you know xbox live well i know a lot (laughs) of kids in the area where I live, just outside of Washington, D.C., especially high school kids, they just get a copy of the credit card. And mom and dad yeah. just pay the balance. And that, to me, does not teach you the value of the dollar. I don't mean to get on my soapbox at this moment. Um, <laughs> should tomorrow I get hit by a lotto ticket or anything like that. But, uh... <laughs> Paul, do you care to go into that? <laughs> uh, sure. 
So it because I work in IT, there's a long-standing statement when you're talking about disaster recovery where you use the scenario of someone getting hit by a bus. Mm-hmm. And I have a tendency to use that phrase a lot when we're building a system or discussing how something works. And I'm like, well, that's great that Jimmy knows. But if Jimmy gets hit by a bus, how are we going to put it back together? Right. <laughs> and uh, after saying it multiple times in a meeting, I had apparently offended someone by, you know, threatening Jimmy with death via bus <laughs> one too many times. And so I was told that I could no longer use the scenario. Uh, so what if Jimmy gets hit by a bus? And, you know, this is a, you know, obviously Jimmy has met many people over the years. <laughs> but um, a following meeting after I had been talked to privately about, you know, people not getting hit by a bus, I, I got riled up by some conversation in a meeting and I stood up and I was like, but what if Jimmy gets hit by a, and then I got this glaring eyes from across the room and I went, hit by a lottery ticket. <laughs> <laughs> and it has since become an inside joke. Of, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Uh-huh. So what if Brian gets hit by a lottery that's, ticket That's tomorrow? right. What are we going to do with yeah. the show? All, all this money that I'm making on this podcast right now. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Breaking in those money bags. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I think the first thing that I probably bought with my own allowance. When I was older, I definitely bought a Zapdos Pokemon card with my own allowance. But when I was like a kid and was still just making $2 a week, I want to say probably the first thing that I bought was there was a... Do you guys remember Z-Bots? They were made by Micro Machines, but they were like little robots. They had like a... It almost looked like like a big like R2-D2, but it was like a big blue robot with treads and he opened in the front and the back and you could put all of your z-bots inside i bought one of those with my own money and that was pretty awesome yeah because i was like but you couldn't afford z-bots so it now holds your marijuana (laughs) (laughs) yes yes Uh, (laughs) all all the blackmail i have on all my enemies all lives inside of my uh my big giant (laughs) z-bot that's also where he keeps his dream journal. <laughs> That's right. Dear diary. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I think probably the first thing I ever bought with uh, my allowance would have probably been one of the Jacks WWE action. Well, I guess at the time, WWF action figures, probably like Shawn Michaels or something like that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely, definitely a, a righteous buy. Um, Hopefully you had. That was basically what all my allowance went towards. Wrestling action figures. <laughs> oh yeah, I I literally have a duffel bag full of them at my parents' home still. That's amazing. My mom, um, her dad lived through the depression, right? And so mm-hmm. he was someone that held on to absolutely everything. So he grew up his whole life in Michigan, retired, moved to Arizona because he wanted to get out of the snow, and he brought like a snowblower with him and he brought like like all this stuff like he was never going to use but what if you need it what if you need it you want to have it and so my mom is literally the polar opposite where if you haven't used it in like six weeks it's time to reconsider whether or not you need it and it's like well of course we haven't used the christmas ornaments in six weeks (laughs) it's not been christmas since last year (laughs) um so i kind of fall it must skip generations because I'm. If you ask my wife, I'm kind of a pack rat a little bit. Um, I don't think it's that no. bad. I don't think it's that bad. But yeah, can you imagine that the guy that's talking here about like CDs and video games on cartridges and stuff keeps stuff like that? Uh, Whoa! <laughs> I know. Crazy. Novel concept. <laughs> Look around you. What's the oldest thing in front of you? Um, well, I do have the Smashing Pumpkins box set. The aeroplane flies high, sitting right in front of me. Um, I also am sitting at a, like a, a mid fifties teak, like Danish teak desk that I got at auction for forty five bucks. Uh, Whoa, nice! Yeah. And I actually have a Garfield comic up here too, throwing it back to earlier in the in the show. Um, Meta. I know <laughs> a lot of Dilbert, but there is one Garfield shoved in there. So nice, and some Far Side. Got to have that Far Side in there. All about that. Oh yeah. All about that Gary Larson. So, well, that's about all I had on allowance, folks. Um, so, I wanted to kind of shift gears, you know, get things started with uh, with 
this has been our most requested topic to speak of more than boy bands more than you know anything else it's been this tv series um so paul why don't you uh tell us a little bit about this show called tailspin spin it (laughs) so So as Brian said, it is our most submitted topic. We would like to thank Max of Detroit, Mike A, Jordan M, um, someone else I'm probably forgetting, and I apologize. Yep, zip. Lots of Michigan folks, one from Detroit and two or three from Grand Rapids. So Tailspin was a 90s television show, or it, it premiered in 1990, aired on the Disney Channel as part of what they referred to as the Afternoon Block. So what I've always suspected but have yet to be able to confirm is that Disney was trying to renew their copyrights on characters that could potentially expire. So they started reusing characters from old movies in unconventional ways. <laughs> that makes a lot so of sense. That makes ducting. a lot of sense. I've never been able to confirm that theory, but that has always been my long-standing <laughs> theory. Um, examples, the first one was DuckTales and then Tailspin after that. Uh, Chippendale, Rescue Rangers, Darkwing Duck, all featuring, you know, Scrooge McDuck, Donald Duck, uh, Baloo. Baloo, yeah. Well, Tailspin yeah. Baloo, yeah. So the whole premise of the show was uh, Baloo is a air freight pilot for Rebecca Cunningham in the fictional city of Cape Suzette. And it's kind of a period piece which takes a lot from its casablanca Mm -hmm. uh they had this like you know they had air pirates and there's some sort of you know struggle going on behind the scenes but they have a neutral bar that everybody always you know kind of shares at, and it's very reminiscent of uh cafe americano and casablanca yeah Yeah. the bar was run by louie as in the orangutan from the jungle book you know i want to be like you (laughs) yep that's the one (laughs) Um, and the general premise of the show starts with a Baloo rescuing a orphan boy named Kit Cloudkicker from <laughs> Air Pirates. Wow. And then he sort of takes him on as a, uh, a ward, if you will. And they have that, you know, son-bad-father dynamic that's been copied a thousand times over. Yes, yes. What was that thing that he used to ride around on? You know, I so it was a cloud board, but I can't remember the name of it. Uh, yeah, I, I can't either. It was, it was it was like a little like almost like a discus type thing that he would just like pull out of his pocket and it would open. Yeah, it would fan out like one of those like Japanese fans that you would get at like carnival prizes. And but it was metallic. He would fan it out and then he would stand on it or he would jump onto it. And then he would hold a ski rope with no parachute and he would surf clouds behind the uh, plane. Which is pretty badass, I got to say. I mean, (laughs) that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, no kidding. So the show ran in syndication. I mean, the show was produced for syndication, so they made a TV movie, which premiered in 1990, and then the movie never aired again, and as far as I can find, has never been released. It was called Plundering Thunder, and what they did is they took the movie and they split it up into four episodes, Hmm. and then those became the first four episodes of the series in syndication. Interesting. Probably a poor name choice, too. Plundering Thunder. Plundering Thunder. You, you can't imagine it's going to be a, a, a big critical success if you already put plundering in the title. So every a single episode of the show, uh, the title of the episode is a reference to a movie. Oh. Plundering Thunder was the only one that I could not figure out. And when they re-syndicated it, they changed the episode titles to make sense. In- oh, okay. Interesting. So what were some of the other ones? Like, What were some of the, the greatest hits? Golden Sprocket of Friendship (laughs) for, you know, Golden Chain of Friendship. I'm just scrolling through the list here. Uh, The Spruce Moose is probably my favorite, (laughs) which that doesn't really go tie into a movie, but the Howard Hughes Spruce Goose or Spruce Mm -hmm, Goose. mm -hmm. The largest seaplane ever, right? Yeah, that. uh, So. Because I love the Spruce Moose, and for whatever reason, in the late 80s, early 90s, like there was a Yogi Bear movie where they had the Spruce Goose, there was a Scooby-Doo with the Spruce Goose, and then there was Tailspin, and that's just what I can vaguely remember. So I actually, in a Wikipedia 
you all have those nights where you go to look up the definition of a word and then, you know, somehow seven hours later you're on a Wikipedia tangent. You go down the rabbit hole. Exactly. So um, the uh, Spruce Goose was a plane developed by Howard Hughes. It was actually called the Hercules H-14, and it was a prototype for what was going to revolutionize transatlantic travel. And because of wartime, it was made out of wood because aluminum was being rationed. And that's why it's it got the name Spruce Goose. That just um, sounds terrifying. <laughs> they technically considered it to be an airboat because it flew, but only a few feet above the water. Mm-hmm. Whoa. And I never knew any of that before 1159 last night. <laughs> uh, another fun fact, if you ever would like to see the Spruce Goose in flight or something similar to it, you can watch one of my all-time favorite movies, The Rocketeer. Where he uh, he knocks the spruce goose <laughs> loose from the, the spruce loose goose. Oh my goodness! <laughs> he he knocks it loose from its uh, hanger, and it ends up flying out of the hanger very dramatically. I've not seen that so, movie in some... years. <laughs> I I need to watch it again. It is legitimately one of my all time. We're doing a movie movies. night. I, we we have to and do that. That's that's if. Like I, I love, I love this movie so much that like if I can ever figure out a way to do it, I am definitely going to a Comic Con dressed up as the Rocketeer. Like I will make the costume or whatever I need to do to get that. I didn't even know you knew how to use stilts. (laughs) (laughs) Waka waka. Oh gosh. So I have a correction already. The name of the episode was not the Spruce Moose. The name of the episode was My Fair Baloo. (laughs) And obviously My Fair Lady. Mm -hmm. Because in the episode, they're trying to teach Baloo how to be a gentleman so he can go to a party that's taking place on the Spruce Moose. While they're there, they get held up. And not in the way Brian did at the (laughs) (laughs) drive-thru. There wasn't someone at the uh, drive-thru getting a job application? (laughs) (laughs) Or asking for all the money Uh, in the register? Baloo saves the day by flying (laughs) the plane. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Do you guys have any uh, favorite episodes or memorable moments that come to mind? You know, um, it's been a really long time since I've seen the show, so I don't really remember a lot of the episodes off the top of my head. But I do remember loving the show. It was a cool concept, and you know, it, it had a lot of uh, now, especially looking back at some at some of the stuff I remember from it. It's kind of interesting because, like, there was uh, definitely some like allusions to dictators from the world war two era. Like yes. there was uh, I'm trying to remember what the group was called, but there was a group that was very much supposed to be like Stalinist Soviet Russia. It started with a T. I can't remember uh, what they were called. Oh, uh, hold on here. It is uh, the Thembria. Uh, it was a group called <laughs> the Thembria huh. and, they they were uh, a parody of Stalinist Soviet Union, and then there was also like people that were supposed to be like Nazi German esque characters. Yeah, that was one of the things that I loved about the show is they were in a modern time because they had modern technology. But when they took off on the plane for their adventure, they were clearly in a completely different state. I mean, there were pirates. They uh, there was a couple episodes where they would crash land and they would be helped by, you know, like old war veterans. Uh And there was a show in the early 80s called Tales of the Golden Monkey. Oh, yeah. And the not so much the storyline, although it was about air freight pilots that, you know, were left over from the war, but very much the look of it right down to Blue's bomber jacket. And the, it was very like for people who haven't seen it, if you're familiar with Hogan's Heroes, that kind of, oh um, yeah you know, bomber jacket mm-hmm. and hat. It was very prevalent in um, Tales of the Golden Monkey as well. And that kind of, the whole jungle setting and uh, a lot of the look and aesthetics came from that. Mm-hmm. One of my uh, favorite characters from the Jungle Book, because I always I always love the bad guys in everything that I watch, uh, is Shere Khan. And he mm-hmm. is such a badass uh, in tailspin because um, he's he's the tiger right and he's this this level yes. yeah. of like confidence and class 
but kind of a slimy quality about him too. He always wears like a really nice suit and it's always very interesting in, in juxtaposition to like like the bomber jacket the Baloo's wearing. He's a very much like a delivery guy, working class guy and he's up against this very evil type of socialite business tiger. I always really thought he was a cool character in the way they developed him that way. And he's got that business savviness to him because he doesn't like Baloo, but he knows he needs Baloo because yeah. uh-huh. Baloo can do what others can't. Right. Yeah. But he also, at points in time, you know, will sign alliances with the air pirates like Don Carnage, the fox that was the main leader of the uh, pirates. Mm-hmm. He'll, you know, he does anything to make a buck. He's playing both sides. He's undercutting Louie for at the bar for fuel. He's paying Baloo to dump shipments elsewhere. He's definitely working all along. or You know, he's definitely working behind the scenes and has his paws in everything. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And he was actually a late addition to the show. He wasn't originally supposed to be included, but as they added more Jungle Book characters and they realized they needed another strong figure, they just made it, they added him late. And that's why he's not featured very much in the beginning and he becomes more prevalent over time. Hmm. Interesting. So, Paul, to your knowledge, is there any reason uh, other than, like, I know you kind of mentioned your theory, but is there any reason why they used uh, so many of the Jungle Book characters? So it was a big thing where they were just trying to reuse properties. Okay. And like I said, there's a lot of like conspiracy theories. I truly believe they were trying to reissue copyrights on characters. Mm, That makes sense. Because if you look at the Jungle Book, that's a public domain story. Uh Uh-huh. And, you know, there have been other iterations of the Jungle Book, so I think they were trying to cement that this Baloo is our Baloo. Yeah. And separate him from something that wasn't a public domain story. That and makes if sense. you look at DuckTales, to an extent, that could be similar because those characters were old enough that they might have been coming close to falling into public domain. Mm-hmm. Well, and one Again, of the, the things, I, like I remember uh, Scrooge McDuck, uh, one of the most popular things he was ever in was in Mickey's Christmas Carol, where he plays mm-hmm. Ebenezer Scrooge you know so to have been part of a, a Dickens story and then like you said it had been around forever is, is this eventually going to be something that anyone can use for any purpose in the, in the public domain right now do you guys remember there was like Airplane Jane who was like a hippo and then there was a whole bunch of other characters that to me almost reminds me of the characters from Fantasia so that whole Mm-hmm. ballerina hippos and the ballerina mm-hmm. ostriches and stuff like that so they're all still jungle characters so it still kind of fits that theme but like if you go back and look at them it's like wow that is clearly a hippo <laughs> from fantasia wearing aviator sunglasses yeah well and it would make sense because there, i mean there's been plenty of evidence in uh like online you can find it all over where uh, Disney animators reuse stuff to make the animation uh, process faster. So, like, for instance, uh, if you look online, there's a whole series of pictures, like, of stills from various movies where you can see them using, like, the exact same character pose in two different movies. They just change, like, the skin of the person or whatever. So it would make sense if they did that. It was probably a cost-saving slash time-saving process to do that uh, rather than reanimate or re-come up with new characters every time. Now, one new character for sure that was someone that was not in the Jungle Book or in Fantasia was Wildcat. Um, and he was mm-hmm. he was always <laughs> one of my favorite characters. He was one of the mechanics. He was always seen eating, always eating. If he didn't have like a wrench <laughs> in his hand, he always had like a sandwich, you know? Do you guys have any uh, any memories of other characters that, uh, or or of Wildcat that? Uh... I was gonna say Wildcat to me was always kind of like the cooter character, like from Dukes of Hazard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was the he was the mechanic. He was kind of a mix between like Cooter and Otto from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good description of him. Well, it's always strange because I don't really know what kind of animal he was. I mean, I guess. By being wildcat, he's some type of cat, but he also had like a ponytail, it, which was always it says on It says on the Wikipedia, or like the Tailspin Wiki, that he was a lion. It hmm. just said he was a really gangly lion. Gotcha, hmm. gotcha. 
Interesting. Yeah. And then how about that Rebecca Cunningham? So Rebecca Cunningham, the reason she is named Rebecca is because of Cheers. Really? So with her character, they were trying to give her uh, in blue a kind of like Sam and Rebecca dynamic like from Cheers. Oh. That's really interesting. interesting. So they were kind of trying to base like a bunch of, you know, sitcom tropes that have been around forever and bring them together in, so they were, you know, Cape Suzanne. So they were hoping that the four and five year olds that were watching that were also watching Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if, if you're going to pick the most popular sitcom of all time, you're probably going to do all right with at least part of your audience. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and that... And then to me, what was funny is when I read that, I always thought she reminded me of her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, I never really put two and two together, but as soon as I read that, I was like, that makes perfect sense. And Baloo is definitely, I mean, he's a mix of a bunch of different characters, but I could definitely see him being a Sam Malone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I've always pictured him as kind of like, what's his face? John Goodman, um, especially in terms of how he <laughs> reacts to... Uh, What's his name? Oh, Kit, 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 Kit yeah. yeah. He always feels kind of like John Goodman did uh, in Roseanne, like just kind of like the doing the best he can type dad, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, there's little Molly Cunningham, who was, you know, adorable in her little pigtails or I guess bear tails. I, I don't know. I'm not sure <laughs> what, what you would call that, but she was always super cute and Man bear pigtails. Yeah, oh my gosh, half man, half bear, half pig. <laughs> There's a joke between my wife and I where we refer to something as female protagonist syndrome, mm-hmm. FPS. So this would be like in a movie where they have a strong female lead, but for some reason she still has to fall down instead of, you know, killing the bad guy and a heroine has to come mm-hmm. save her. Uh-huh. And I never completely got that vibe from Rebecca because she usually handled her own. But Molly, on the other hand, somehow, you know, she got into horrible trouble and everybody had to come save her. (laughs) And the few episodes that were centric to her, I mean, it was like baby's day out times 10. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she can't go in the backyard without getting kidnapped by pirates who don't even know they're kidnapping her. (laughs) Speaking of baby's day out, just really quick. The guy that's in baby's day out, like one of the kidnappers, is also... He's in the Matrix, but every time I see him, it's just like, I, I, it takes me completely out of the Matrix. He's like, why, oh, why didn't I take the blue pill? Like, man, your finger's gonna get crushed by a gorilla. I, I just, just wait for it. <laughs> just wait for it. <laughs> oh, well, that's about all I had for, uh, for Tailspin. Uh, same. I think that pretty much wraps it up for what we wanted to cover. Um, Adam, any notes? Nope. <laughs> so, you know, guys, I don't think we've said Hopper of Imagination nearly enough times today. Either that or I might have lost track. Get to the Hopper! Get to the Hopper! I'll be honest, I don't keep track of that kind of stuff, but luckily the hopper of imagination is uh, right where we left it. For those who are joining us for the first time, this is the part of the show where we figure out what next week's episode will cover. Yep, the hopper of imagination is where all of our topics live. Some of them we came up with, some are listener requests, kind of like Tailspin and Garfield were this week. Um, There's three of us, and we're going to pick three topics. One for each of us. Uh, We can pass... But I won't be drawing any more than four topics, which always tends to make things interesting. Yes, it does. And we would like to remind all of our listeners that if there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, like Martha, Max, Mike, and Jordan, you can submit those to our website at www.datingourselvespodcast.com. Also, Jordan, you might want to get with the program, man, and get your first name that starts with an M. (laughs) I'll expect to see the change to Morden as soon as possible. <laughs> Thank you, Morden. We appreciate all of your submissions. <laughs> all right. You guys ready to, to hear uh, the first topic? Let's do it. All right. So this first topic is going to be Yomega Yo-Yo's Toys. One, two, three. Dibs. Dibs. I think Adam might have beat you out, Paul. Woo. Yeah. Can I at least play with the yo-yo? Yes, (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Oh, this next topic. All right. 
Starburst. Food or beverage? One, two, three. Pass. Don't all talk at once. Uh, I've already talked about food once, very recently. I'm gonna have to pass. A very similar food, if I recall. Yes, they came in a wrapper and it was full of fruity goodness. So I think we're gonna pass on that. Okay. The next topic is Hooked on Phonics. Pop culture. One, two, three. I'll I'll call dibs on that. I knew if I just stared at you longingly, you would have a As someone that still can't spell or knows grammar, I, I thank you. All right, and the last topic. Last topic. Well, but I'm stuck with. Is Mike Ditka celebrity sports. One, two, three. <laughs> You're getting coach, coach Ditka. Uh, Paul, do you know who Mike Ditka is? Chris Farley, right? <laughs> yes, <Thank> absolutely. <laughs> Close enough. Close N- enough. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> well, that's our show, folks. We I'm really gonna go with the Bears for 100. <laughs> there you go. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so that that's that's our show, folks. Thanks for joining us on Dating Ourselves. And if you liked what you heard, there's definitely more to come. Check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast to learn more about us and the show. And check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us your submissions at datingourselvespodcast at aol.com. We got mail. <laughs> I did this time, Paul. <laughs> definitely beat me to it it was on the tip of my tongue in addition to itunes google music and our website dating ourselves is now also available via tune in radio which means you can find us via your amazon echo and google home uh, assistance for your own living room enjoyment which means we are now truly available wherever podcasts are downloaded we also have additional content that you can check out on facebook at www.facebook.com slash dating ourselves podcast if you're on Instagram, you can find us at uh, Dating Ourselves Podcast and Twitter too at Dated Podcast. And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dated. See you, folks. See you guys. Peace. <laughs>